we had a great time with the gardeners and so, so incredible to see what God is doing there and through, through them. Well, take your Bible and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tonight. Thank Brother Chris for finishing up chapter 9 last week while we were away. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to look through the first 13 verses tonight, some familiar verses here. Um, and as we have seen in our study, the, the Christians at Corinth, they really struggled with trying to merge their culture and Christianity. Uh, that was kind of uh, their goal. They, they wanted to have the Christianity, the church, but they began to allow the, the world and the culture to creep into the church. And so we've entitled this series, Called Out, because that really is what the letter is all about. And we know that the culture and Christianity typically run in opposite directions. And as I've been in Peru for the last eight days, the Lord has reminded me time and time again of his spiritual blessings, not just, not just the physical blessings, but the spiritual blessings upon our church here in Jamestown. Our, our history is rich. Our foundation is strong. I, I thank the Lord daily for Pastor Fred and the vision that he had to start the church and the ministries that are here and the school and Miss Brenda who uh, stood beside him and many others who paved the way really for us to be able to enjoy what we enjoy today. And then thinking through this last year of all that God has done and the people that God has brought us from all over the place, the, the people that have been saved, the people who have been discipled and are growing in their faith, our missions giving Uh, at an all-time high and more and more people being involved in that and more and more people serving and participating in serving in ministries. And God has just been so good to us, pouring spiritual blessings upon us and thinking about 2023 and talking through that with our staff and our leadership and praying that God will continue to pour out his spiritual blessings upon us. And as I was studying this, I thought, you know, the Corinthians were such a church as well. They had the privilege of being founded by the Apostle Paul. Paul poured much time and energy into this church. And even after he left, he continued to pour into them, sending people to minister to them, writing them letters, making personal visits. It was a church, as we have said, that was born in the midst of paganism, much idolatry, much immorality, much false religion, was at the center of Corinth. And right in the midst of that, the Apostle Paul, of course the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, uh, planted a church there. And it became a, a remarkable church and a powerful church and yet a church that in the midst of its blessing, its spiritual blessing, its spiritual Privilege. It was living on the edge of danger, and, and it had to receive exhortation after exhortation. We've seen that as we've studied it. And here again, another a warning, and, and I've entitled this a warning to a blessed church. Not only the church at Corinth, but many of us who have been blessed spiritually by the Lord. The letters that are written in Revelation in the first several chapters, they are written by and large as letters of warning. Warning to the church that if they turn their back on the Lord, if they lose their first love, if they lose the purpose with which God has called them to, that God would remove the candlestick or he would spew them out of his mouth. 
So this too is a warning about falling from a place of God's blessing. And I think it is a a warning that we and every church who has received the spiritual blessing of the Lord does need to go to and to look to. And the Lord has brought it to us tonight as we go verse by verse through this little epistle. So I'm going to read the first 13 verses to you and then we will break down the sections tonight into three different sections. Paul writes, moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant. In other words, this is very important. You don't need to miss this. This is, don't need, you don't need to be ignorant about this. How that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. I would encourage you to mark that last section of verse number 6. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed, by, uh, destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come, Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of of escape that we may be able to bear it. A lot of times we know verse 13, but I hope you'll see it tonight in its context. And as Paul begins this warning He does so by going back to a people who had received the blessings of God, the the people of Israel. They knew very well what it was like to, to be blessed by God and to have the blessing of God removed from them and to fall under God's divine judgment. I want you to look back at the chapter 9, before he goes into chapter 10, the very last verse of chapter 9, Paul acknowledges that all of us have to guard against having uh, God's hand of blessing removed from our lives as he writes this in verse 27, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means, notice, When I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul knew that he needed to discipline his body. He understood well the struggle between the flesh and the spirit that goes on in our life. That although at salvation we receive the spirit of God, that still day in and day out we deal with the battles of our flesh. And that essentially is the key to the passage before us as we see in verse number 12. Look at it again. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Look here. It's not those that know very well their ability to fall that need this warning. It is those that think they're all right. It is those who have gotten used to the blessings of God to the point where they feel like God is going to bless us no matter what. 
that we forget that, that, that God's spiritual blessing, many times it has, it has qualifications for it. So he says, listen, let him that thinks that he stands, let him that thinks he's okay, let him that thinks he's just kind of coasting through the spiritual life, let him that has gotten very comfortable in his Christian life and no longer walking circumspectly, let him be careful lest he fall. And so there is a real danger of being so blessed that we become overconfident and comfortable. So blessed that we feel like those privileges and those blessings will come no matter what. And so Paul says here, we don't need to ignore the value of self-control, of temperance, of self-denial, of bringing in our body into subjection, the lust of our flesh, the lust of our eyes, the pride of life. They were living, the, the Corinthian church and Israel as well, they're, they're living on the edge of disaster and the forfeiture of divine power and divine blessing. And so the apostle Paul draws this illustration to them from the people of Israel, from the children of Israel, to give a warning to them that, look, just as Israel lost the blessing of God, you too can lose the blessing of God. That God can take his hand off of you, your family, your church. And so he gives several things. And by the way, this is inspired scripture, so it's for all of us. But specifically, look at verse 6 and 11 where Paul says, now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And then verse number 11, he says, all these things happened unto them for examples and they are written, they, look, they are written for our admonition. They are written for our benefit upon whom the ends of the world are come. So the first five verses show us the spiritual, Paul rehearses in the first five verses, the spiritual blessings of God. And all of these Old Testament examples are symbolic and in reference to our spiritual blessings, mainly salvation. This is what Paul is reminding the Corinthians of. Look at it. Verse number one, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Paul is, of course, here talking about the tremendous blessing that came on the people of Israel when they were led out of Egypt and they were led to the land of Canaan. They were under the cloud. What is the cloud? It's reference to Exodus chapter 13, verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to, to go by day and night. He is reminding them of the blessing of God. Again, verse number two. And they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Remember several weeks ago when we were talking about baptism because now in our New Testament minds, when we, when we think of baptism, we all automatically think of baptismal. But the word, again, is the word that simply means immersed. And so what he is telling them is that they had the privilege of being immersed into Moses' leadership. They were identified with him, a godly leader, not a perfect leader, but a godly leader. And he's telling him, you had the spiritual blessings. You were united as a community with one leader. So there were no divisions of leaders. Paul is pointing out to the Corinthians that we have all been delivered from the domain of darkness, which is like our Egypt. We have all been led through the waters of escape, which is like our Red Sea. We have all been brought to a place where we're under the direction of God, the leadership of God, like Israel was 
Moses. We are all together as one people in, in Christ. And then verses 3 and 4, just incredible, fantastic verses that say that they, again, referencing Israel, they did all eat the same spiritual meat. They all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And I would encourage you to mark this last phrase, because it is a powerful phrase. And that rock was who? Christ. God provided water for Israel in the wilderness. God provided food for them in the wilderness. You remember uh, you remember the manna from heaven, the birds that hovered over them as they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, providing for them, providing nourishment for them for those 40 years. But notice that last part of verse number four where it says that they drank from that spiritual rock and that rock was Christ. Say, so what's it talking about? It's a reminder to us of John 1.1 that in the beginning was Jesus. Not when he came in Bethlehem as a babe. In the beginning was Jesus. All throughout the Old Testament, it is not just God that is there. It is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And what we see here is that the eternal Son, the second member of the Trinity, he was the caretaker of the people of Israel. All the redeemed are his, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So Paul is reminding the Corinthians through Old Testament illustrations of the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. And you can divide them up like this. He's reminding them first of the gift of liberation. That like he did the children of Israel from Egypt, they had been liberated. They had been delivered. They had freedom in Christ. Also, he reminds them of the gift of his guidance, uh, like he did under the cloud, how he directed the children of Israel. So God is directing us. And aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit of God that lives in us, that helps guide us and direct us? What a gift we have in that. And then also the gift of identification as they were identified with Moses. This is to talk about how blessed Israel was and how blessed the Corinthian church was. And listen, how blessed the Faith Baptist Tabernacle in Jamestown is spiritually. But then look at verse 5. But with many, or with most, God was not well pleased. God was not well pleased. Why? We'll see here in just a moment. They were overthrown in the wilderness. Their, their bodies literally scattered in the wilderness. Numbers chapter 14 verse 16 is the reference that this is referring. Because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he swear unto them, therefore hath he slain them in the wilderness. This is so important. Don't miss it. Remember again. Remember what Paul said in verse 27 of chapter 9. The Israelites in Numbers 14 was what Paul feared, being disqualified, losing the blessings of God, forgetting the blessings of God. And so Paul had a sensible fear that he too could lose his usefulness for, 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 uh, for service, not his salvation, but his usefulness. If he did not practice temperance and self-denial and self-control, and we'll see, we see that that's what he's speaking of here as he talks about the lust, and we'll talk about that more in just a moment. And let me bring that to us for just a moment, because for 40 years, God has blessed 
Faith Baptist Tabernacle. He has poured, he has given us a strong foundation, just like the church at Corinth has. He has poured his blessings out upon it. We have seen it in recent years. But we, like the church at Corinth, need to understand that we too stand on the brink of losing that blessing if the Lord determines that we have sin in our life that we are putting above him. And we'll look at those specifically that he mentions here in a moment, that we become complaining people, complacent people, that we too can lose God's blessing. And many of us have experienced the spiritual blessings of God upon our family. Don't get comfortable and think that it's just going to always come. That's the warning. The warning is to to wake up and to be careful and to realize that this battle between the flesh and the spirit is real. So Paul begins by pointing out, first of all, the spiritual blessings of God. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look around and be able to identify the spiritual blessings of God. But then he points out in verses 6 through 10 the spiritual blunder of God's people. The word blunder means to make a serious error due to not taking intentional caution. So verse 6 lays out very clearly that the loss of blessing is related to, look at it, the craving of evil things, desiring sin. Now these things were our examples, notice this, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. This is the beginning of the fall. This is the beginning where the spiritual blessings ceased. Evil things is just another word for what we would say worldliness in a very general sense. And of course, the scripture is full of warnings about worldliness, allowing the culture to creep into our lives, into our even our spiritual lives. 1 John 2.15, one of the most popular, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Um, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. James 4 warns of friendship with the world, saying that it is enmity with God. You cannot be a friend of the world and a friend of God. So here's this example. Israel had been freed. They had been led. They had been fed. They had been united with their leader. They knew what it was like to walk in unity. They had been blessed. They had been sustained by God. But they had become disqualified to go into the promised land because they failed to bring their hearts into full devotion to Christ. They were lusting after the things of the world. And listen, church, it always begins in our hearts. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's why Philippians 4.8 were to guard our thinking. Whatsoever things are lovely, pure, just, wholesome. These are the things that we are to give our thought life to because that is where it begins. So Paul goes on to list sins that were creeping into the church at Corinth. And I think it would do us merit to look at these things in our own life, although they may be, they may come in different forms. For example, the first one in verse number seven is idolatry. Neither do, neither be idolaters as were some of them. You know, again, going back to the children of Israel, barely out of Egypt, just delivered, just liberated, 
just given the freedom from slavery. And they're already creating this ridiculous calf and are bowing down and and committing sin, vulgar sin, in front of it. Just after God had delivered them. John MacArthur said this, Many people who would not take a second glance at, at a carved idol will sacrifice health, time, family, moral standards, and anything else required in order to achieve the idol of success or recognition that they want. It may not be, and it's not in our culture, a calf. But there is other idolatry in our culture that if we're not careful, it will take the place of God in our life. It will surpass Him. Anything that we put above Jesus Christ, anything that we put above our salvation and the spiritual blessing that we have in Christ is an idol. So he says, first of all, be on guard for idolatry creeping into your life. And let me say, Faith Baptist Tabernacle, you say, well, we would never do that. Let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. That's the point of the scripture. Idolatry can easily creep into our life. Guard against it, he says. Secondly, he mentions here immorality. Sexual immorality. Verses 7b and 8. In the last part of verse 7, notice what he says. The people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. We won't get into all that, but that is a reference to their immorality. And then he goes on further in verse number 8 to kind of spell it out. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed. The end of verse 7 is is talking about terrible sexual sin that would come out of idol worship rituals. And then he expounds on it in verse number 8. Exodus tells us that the people were actually naked dancing around the altar. A slap in the face of the God that had just blessed them and just delivered them. And the Bible tells us that God killed 3,000 of them in one moment. And in all, 23,000 of them are killed. Numbers chapter 25. So he, he lists here, Corinthians, you need, to, you need to be on guard of idolatry, sexual immorality. Then the third thing he mentions is testing God, verse number 9. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed as serpents. Again, he's using Israel as an example. This is a reference to Numbers chapter 21, where they pushed to see how far they could go before the judgment of God fell upon them. How much could they do and get away with it? A mindset that is in our culture as well, isn't it? How much can we, how close can we get to sin? How close can we get to the Grand Canyon of sin without falling in to the Grand Canyon of sin? The question ought not to be how close we can get to it. The question should be how close can we be to Christ? How close can we be conformed to his image? And then he mentions, fourthly, complaining. Verse 10. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Maybe maybe you wouldn't expect to find complaining in the same list as idolatry, sexual immorality, and testing God. But church, listen, it is there. Because murmuring and complaining is the root of selfishness 
and it will destroy anything that God is blessing. It will destroy your, your family. It will destroy a church. Guard against it. I mean, isn't Israel a great example of this? Exodus chapter 16 in verse 2 says this, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Listen, they were complaining to the leaders, but their complaint, make no mistake about it, was against God. They were unsatisfied with God. We're not content with God's blessings. And I know this is trivial, but I'm hot right now, but the next time that I'm hot and want to complain about it or cold and want to complain about it or crowded and want to complain about it or we go to the bathroom and it's not clean and we want to complain about it. Let us remember. Or we, somebody took our parking spot and we want to complain about it. Just kidding, Brother Noel. Brother Noel likes this parking spot. And he really doesn't care if anybody takes it. He just jokes about it. The children of Israel were sitting in judgment on God on the way things were. And in number 16, almost 15,000 people died because they complained. These are the specific blunders that the Apostle Paul brings out to the church at Corinth as a result of no self-denial, no self-control. Again, back to chapter 9. Verse 27, I'm not keeping their body and bringing it into subjection under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. A lack of godly pursuits. And then we see, lastly, in the third section, verse 10 and 11, the spiritual warning from God. All these things happen for examples. They're written for our admonition. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stand take heed lest he fall Remember the warnings that I mentioned in Revelation to the churches. One of those was the church of Sardis in Revelation chapter 3. In Revelation 3, 3 says, Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. Notice, if therefore thou shalt not watch, if you shall not be on guard, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Here's what he's saying. Watch and be alert. You can't live any way you want to live. You can't live carelessly for self. You can't indulge in sin. You can't come to church and sit through the services, go home and indulge in sin and idolatry and complaining and testing God and seeing just how close you can get to worldliness and to sin and still have the blessing of God. Watch. Be alert. The Lord may spew you out of his mouth. The Lord may remove his candlestick of blessing. Listen, God, God's church will remain. Amen? I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. But there is no promise that God won't remove Faith Baptist Tabernacle from this community. No promise of that. Or any other, any other church, specific church. That's why he gives this warning. This is a warning, a spiritual warning from God. Be very careful about thinking that we have received the blessing and the grace of God for so long that we're out of reach of losing it. So that means what? Personal vigilance, bringing our body into subjection, 
guarding against the cravings of this world. Come out from among them and be separate. Touch not the unclean thing. This is why Paul expressed beating our body into submission so that we don't become disqualified. So this warning is to examine all our priorities, all our desires, so that we would never be the reason why God would bring disfavor or remove his blessing from our family, from our church family. And that goes for all of us. But listen how he closes, and he closes on a high note. I know it's been a little bit, it's been a little bit um, steep from here, hasn't it? But then look how he closes, how he wraps it up, verse 13. Don't be discouraged. There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Would you say that with me? God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. What an encouraging final word from the Apostle Paul. After you read these first 12 verses and you think, man, I don't want to be the leaven that leavens the lump. I don't want to be the reason that God removes his blessing from our family, from our church. I don't want to be the one whose sin becomes the point of corporate judgment. And look, we're living in an incredible evil system, aren't we? An evil culture. It is all around us. Media has multiplied that a thousand times over. All of our children, all of our grandchildren have devices in their hand where the immorality and the idolatry is slapped in front of them every time they turn it on. It's there in front of them. The temptation. In fact, some would even get discouraged and say, hey, the culture's too bad. The world's too bad. Our children have no chance. Our grandchildren have no chance. What are you telling them? That God's not big enough? That God has ceased being faithful? No, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And even when we are unfaithful, he is still faithful. And his word is true. And it is true that he will not put anything in our path and tempt us with anything that we are not able to overcome that temptation through his power. In other words, we're never going to be able to say, we got into immorality, we got into idolatry, we began to crave evil things, we began to complain because it was too much for us. The world is too wicked. Or... The devil made me do it mentality. The world is too wicked. No temptation has overtaken us. In other words, it's well within our reach as believers to resist any temptation that is put in front of us. We can't blame God. We can't blame the devil. We can't blame the worldliness of our society. God is faithful who will not allow us to be tempted above that ye are able. Aren't you thankful for that promise? Because I don't know about you, but this flesh is awful strong sometimes. This world is awful wicked Sometimes I look around and I'll develop that mentality myself. I mean, does God really expect us in this culture? Yes, he does. God is faithful. The truth is the reason that some of us don't have more money 
or more recognition than we do or, or whatever it is that we don't have is because God knows us, doesn't he? <laughs> God knows us as individuals. He knows what we fall easily prey to and he'll not allow such things to happen that we can't bear through his spirit. And aren't we to pray, deliver us from temptation, deliver us from evil, keep us out of the path of temptation? Here's the bottom, of, bottom line. We're not going to have any excuses. Verse 13 takes away our excuses. There's no temptation taking you. God is faithful. He will make a way of escape. We don't have to fall. We can learn. You say, God, look at, look at us. It's so hard living in 2022. And man, what is 2023 going to be like if 2022 is what it is? And what's the next 10 years going to look like? And maybe we should just warn our children not to have children. So, so where is the light going to come from if Christians aren't having children to be the light and the arrows to shoot into the darkness? One of the great privileges we have of 2022 is that we have a lot of examples to look at, don't we? I mean, who did the children of Israel look at? They didn't have as many as we had, did they? And the church at Corinth, they didn't have themselves to look at until after the fact. Look at us in 2022. Not only do we have Israel and the Corinthians, but we have decades, don't we? We've been studying judges in Sunday school in our class, and man, it's just one cycle after another. They didn't learn very well from their lessons, did they, Brother Charlie? <laughs> and I look at us, and I'm like, we're the same way. We're the same way. Yes. So here's the warning to the, the blessed church. Be on guard. Walk circumspectly. Be careful of these things. Don't forget the spiritual blessings of God. When you come here on Sunday, don't forget that you got into a car and drove here. Because when we were in Peru this week, they walked to church. Most of them. Or they drove crazy to get there in these little cars. When you come Sunday and it's hot or cold or crowded or somebody sat in your seat, may God forgive us. How easily we lose sight of the spiritual blessings of God. Have you forgot about the people that God's brought here from all over the place that have gotten saved? Forgot about the people that have been baptized. You forgot about the people that are growing in their faith. You forgot about the families that God has brought us. That the reason you don't have a parking spot and the reason you don't have a seat is because of the spiritual blessings of God. Don't forget them. Don't forget them. And be careful not to allow the blunders, the sins to creep into our life. Guard our hearts. Guard our minds. Thank God for the warnings, right? You know, we, our parents used to warn us of things when we were little and we didn't like them at the time. 
Now that we're adults, we thank God for them. Thank God for the warnings. And this is just a shot over the bow of the boat. Say, what's going on? Nothing that I know to. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, God brought us to 1 Corinthians 10 to give us a warning to a blessed church. And we need to take heed, especially those who think, I'm all right. I don't need this. I sure wish so-and-so was here tonight. They could have really used that one point. Let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. God, you're so good to us. You're so faithful. You have blessed us with so much, and we forget so quickly. Thank you for the people that have come to faith in Christ. Thank you for those who have such a hunger for your word. Thank you that we're having crowd problems, seating problems, parking problems. Thank you even for the day in and day out problems that we are dealing with because that means that more people are being brought here to learn of you and to learn truth. They're being confronted with things in their life. We thank you for your spiritual blessings. We thank you for the spirit of God that lives in us. We thank you, Jesus, for your death on the cross for us. Thank you, God, for creating us and allowing us to be a part of your plan for the world, for people to be reconciled to you through Jesus. We thank you for the church. My, what a blessing it is to be able to come on a Wednesday night, to be able to sit in a comfortable building, to be able to sing your praises, to be able to fellowship, to be able to pray together, to be able to study your word together. Thank you for the church. What, a, what an awesome plan. You knew exactly what we needed. The spiritual blessings are more than we can number. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be on guard. Help us to not allow pride and arrogancy and complacency to creep into our life where we just expect your blessings. Help us to be careful. Guard our own hearts, our own minds. That we would not be a people that are given to idolatry, that are given to immorality, that are given to testing you that are given to complaining and so many other sins that creep into our life. Guard our hearts and our minds, we pray. Help us to be a selfless people. Help us to be a humble people through which you can use. I pray for the church in America as a whole. God, please awaken us. Please bring us back to the reality of why we're here Refocus us on your glory and the gospel advancement. And may our minds be consumed with it. May the way that we think and the way that we live bring glory to you. May it draw people to you. May our love for one another within this church be an attractive thing. May people in our community never hear us speak ill of one another. May they never hear us speak ill of another brother or sister that would cause them to discount Christianity 
I pray, God, that you would, you would guard us from these things. Thank you for the warnings that you give us. And Lord, we thank you for your word. What a blessing it is in prayer that we might commune with you. We thank you for all these things and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen.